Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the oil of Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. We got a fun show in store for you. Previewing the big game between the Rams and the Bengals coming up tonight. 5.30 kickoff on NBC. Should be a good game. At least the spread indicates it will be. And trust me, there are plenty of fun props out there, too. I'm not going to take you through all of them. But we're going to talk a little bit about the game later in the show. But we have a lot to get to before that, including a quiet trade deadline for the Bulls and some big performances from DeMar DeRozan. We'll get to all that here on the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It is great to be with you here on the Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know what was going on with the intro. You know, we're working remotely here, so I'm kind of controlling stuff from here, and a button was pushed that should have been pushed, and I don't know. Either way, we got the intro to play. That way I wasn't just starting out here talking awkwardly even though I did start talking awkwardly, but we're off and running. And yeah, we've got a lot to get to on this Super Bowl Sunday here. So the Bulls, that's where we need to start because we've got a lot to talk about. You know, baseball is, the way I put it is baseball is going to baseball. And that's just the best way to put it is baseball is going to baseball. And that's just a mess. There's also a big game in the Missouri Valley tonight. It's the only Missouri Valley game of the day between Loyola and Northern Iowa, and I'm going to tell you about my concerns that I had last week. That's all going to come up later, maybe in this half hour, but definitely to start the second half hour of the show. And here's a fun tease. I wrote about the craziest 10 days I've ever written about. And there's no telling me otherwise. This was the craziest 10 days I ever wrote about. I'll tell you about that in the second half hour. The trade deadline came and went this week in the NBA, and there were big moves. I mean, James Harden's going to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons is going to Brooklyn. So is Seth Curry, which I think that's the piece of the deal that needs to be talked about, is that the 76ers sent Seth Curry to Brooklyn. You also had Karis LeVert going to Cleveland. Dennis Schroeder going to Houston. There were some big moves at this trade deadline. Chris Porzingis is on the move as well. Serge Ibaka is going to Milwaukee. It seemed like every team contending in the Eastern Conference made a move. And that's true. Every team contending in the East did make a move. Except for the Bulls. 
The Bulls did not do anything. Like, I wish I was exaggerating and saying, no, they signed a role player who's going to maybe come up through the G League. No, they did nothing. And I mean, that's not a bad thing, necessarily. I mean, they're beat up with injuries right now, as we all know. I keep talking about the injury front, even though Derek Jones Jr. came back last night. I don't know what that was about. And the injuries, yes, you're, you're down Lonzo Ball. You're down Alex Caruso. You're down Patrick Williams. You know, DeMar DeRozan made this point earlier this week. And that's all, that, that's notable. I mean, those are big names to be missing. But that said, you also have to think about, you have Nikola Vucevic as your big, which is good. He's been playing really well as of late, too. He had a double-double in the first half last night. So you have him, but who else do you have? Yes, Derek Jones Jr. was back last night. That was huge. I don't know if that was necessarily a good idea, though. You know, his timeline, two and a half weeks ago, was six to eight weeks with that broken finger. But there he was last night, active and playing. And you could see that finger was hurting, especially after that. He threw down that massive dunk. I mean, it was sweet. Don't get me wrong. Like, that was, that was really cool. But you saw him. He was grabbing that finger ever since. And it just... I don't know about bringing him back that soon. Like, I know he had it taped up and everything. And that's, that's, that's well and good. But that, that didn't seem like a good idea to me. Against Oklahoma City on the second half of back-to-back, I get maybe fresh legs. You need his length on defense. I get that. But it's not exactly easy to play defense with a broken finger. I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing, you know? I mean, I've been around the game long enough. I'm just guessing. So, yes, you've got good news on the injury front there that he's back and apparently able to play. I still don't think it's a good idea. I went through and looked back at the timelines here. Alex Caruso, the earliest he can be reevaluated, not come back. That is important here. Joe Cowley made this point right before I came on the air. The earliest for reevaluation to maybe come back is March 5th. As he deals with that wrist injury after that nasty, bogus foul that Grayson Allen had in Milwaukee. Lonzo Ball, after knee surgery, is eligible to come back March 11th at the earliest. So this is, they're out, they were out six to eight weeks. Now Lonzo's six to eight weeks started after the surgery, and he had the surgery about a week and a half later. He's due back March 11th at the earliest. Billy Donovan also provided a promising-ish update on Patrick Williams. The soft target date for him to come back is mid-March from that wrist injury. To that I say, it's like the Derrick Jones situation. Don't bring him back too early. So that's the soft date. I mean, that's good. I mean, I saw him, someone got video of him at one of their last road games putting up shots. So that's good. That's a good sign. But I don't know if you want to rush him back, but getting him back, that... That's the rim protector you need. I'm not saying he'd make as big a difference as Jakob Pertl, who I kept calling Jacob Pertl last week. You know, it's Jakob Pertl, who stayed in San Antonio despite 
the Bulls making a trade offer and that getting turned down. So yeah, you do have you have help on the way, is what I'm saying. And I know DeMar DeRozan made the point this week about, oh, we're missing Lonzo, we're missing Alex, we're missing Patrick. We're going to be fine. And I, I get that logic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia has Joel Embiid. They now have James Harden. They're considered one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the East, alongside Tobias Harris, Matisse Bible, Tyrese Maxey. I mean, that's some good, that's some good guys. Outside of the starting five, there's not much there. Look at the Bulls. Zach, who's hurt now, more on that in a second. DeMar, Lonzo, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic, Alex Caruso, Kobe White. Add in, add in Derek Jones Jr., why not? Io DeSumo. I just counted nine guys. The fact that Io DeSumo is settling into this true point guard role that he's settling into, and he's playing really well, that's a good sign as well, and I think that might have some impact on the trade deadline. So it makes me wonder, if if Io wasn't playing at the level he's playing at right now, would the Bulls have made a move? I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sure it had some kind of impact. But yeah, they did not make a single move at the deadline, which that's fine. Yeah, I'm not... They did... I kept saying they had to make a move. They needed they needed a big, they needed a rim protector. But it wasn't like they weren't in desperation mode. It wasn't like, okay, we're slipping in the standings, we're gonna fall out of contention, we need to get this guy to get us back up in the standings. They're a game back of first place, and it's because Miami's won five in a row. Now, let's go through each team here. Cleveland got Karis LeVert. Milwaukee got Serge Ibaka. Another big. They need another big. Sixers bring in James Harden and Seth Curry. Oh no, Seth Curry went to the Nets. I'm sorry. They bring in James Harden for Seth, for Seth Curry. Toronto. I want to say they made a move. They got rid of Goran Dragic. Boston, they brought in Daniel Tice. Well, I guess brought back Daniel Tice. Brooklyn, they brought in Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. I just read you three through eight in the East. And yeah, the Raptors made a move too. Because I know they moved Dragic for Thad Young. Huh, how did I forget Thad Young went to Toronto? So that that's a move there. I would that's someone I wish the Bulls would have maybe gone out and got. I would have loved a reunion with Thagic. So everyone else made a move below him. But the Bulls stood pat. And and again, if if they'd have gone out and gotten a role player, and I'm not even like we talked last week about Jakob Pertle and how that situation and the trade got rejected. Bringing him in would have been a difference maker. But if you get a role player who's... Let's use Tony Bradley as the benchmark. Not a Tony Bradley fan. 
I mean, I think he does the job. He can, He's a good shot blocker, but other than that, he doesn't really do much. If the Bulls were to get someone between the caliber of Tony Bradley and Jakob Pertl, that would have been what I was looking for. So something like that. And I forgot the other big trade that went down involving Marvin Bagley to Detroit. Also, DeMontis Sabonis went to Sacramento. Tyrese Halliburton went to the Pacers. That trade was just nuts. So the deadline was busy, and the Bulls sat on their hands, which is fine. Let me be very, very clear. Now, if this was Gar Pax, I'd probably be sitting here going, why didn't you make a move? Why didn't you make a move, you morons? But I think Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, and this has been kind of the sentiment around town, Chicago radio, and in the papers, it seems like Arturis has earned us cutting him a break. He's earned the benefit of the doubt. I mean, look at what he's done in the last year. The only players that were here from the beginning of last year are Zach Levine and Kobe White. That speaks volumes. That much turnover, and they're a game out in the East. Now, they've also been linked in the buyout market. Unlike what Woj originally tweeted, his agent Wojnowski tweeted about the buyout market for Goran Dragic. The Bulls are not in on Doncic. That was a funny typo. The Bulls are apparently interested in Goran Dragic. And I think that's just kind of funny because one of my favorite Stacey King calls is when Derek Rose dunked on Goran Dragic and Stacy just went bananas and said, what are you doing, Dragic? I want to go higher. That's one of my favorite Stacy calls. So, bringing in Goran Dragic would be some fun irony. That's the only name I've really heard them linked to. Then again, we didn't know they were linked to Nikola Vucevic at the trade deadline last year. And we see how that's working out. I don't know what direction they're going to go. I don't know if they're going to end up adding anybody. Tell you what, I am excited to see this team at full strength with Io settling into this true point guard, good defender role that he's taken on. That's going to be a ways off yet. I'll tell you what, last night and the last few nights, DeMar DeRozan is putting on a clinic. You know, the Bulls played uh, before they, they, so they won three in a row. They played the, uh, was it the Timberwolves? Which game was it that DeMar just went crazy? I think it was the 76ers game. Yeah, it was. Because it was MB versus DeRozan. This man dropped 45 points in a loss. Last night, Bulls played the Thunder second half of a back-to-back. You know, the night before, Bulls played the Timberwolves, and he played 38 minutes. So then one night later, he's back at it. He plays 40 minutes, 38 points. 
Six straight 30-point games. Five straight 35-plus point games. We have not seen anything like this since Michael Jordan. I'm not exaggerating. It happened in 96. So this is the first time in my lifetime, to put that in perspective, and if you feel old, that was the goal. We need to appreciate what he's doing right now, and he needs to be in conversation for the MVP. I think Joel Embiid is the front runner right now, and I think Giannis is in that conversation as well. But when you start talking about DeMar being in the MVP conversation, which I've been talking about for weeks now, but this needs to be something people notice. Because Zach Levine is out. He's apparently this just broke before we were coming on the air. He's heading out west. And out there, he's going to see a knee specialist to find out why he's having pain in that left knee. Now, the left knee is significant because that's the ACL that he tore when he played for Minnesota. Here's the tweet from Woj. Chicago Bulls all-star guard Zach Levine will travel to Los Angeles to see a specialist for his left knee early this week, sources tell ESPN. Levine has been dealing with recurring discomfort and will get further evaluation. He's still planning to participate in All-Star Weekend. So that's not good news. Because Zach, if you remember, they played the Warriors. It was last month, because I remembered it was the night we were getting... I was watching that game from O'Hare and I watched the injury happen. Next thing I knew, I had to go to the gate because I was flying out to Las Vegas and I had to cut off all communication and cut off anything to do with the game. So it was mid-January. Zach left the court because his knee was bugging him. And now he's going to see a specialist because it's bugging him again. He didn't play last night. He didn't look right on Friday. Whatever comes back from that specialist is huge. And I'm okay with him participating in All-Star Weekend, though. Because it's not like he's... If he was playing in the... Or playing. If he was competing in the dunk contest, which I think he should be every year, but... If he was competing in the dunk contest, I'd be worried because of the the bounce off that knee to do whatever fun dunks he'd have planned. I think I'd be a little more worried. He's competing in the three-point contest. That's fine with me. And if he if he plays in the game, I'm not sure if he will. But if he plays in the game, I mean, the All-Star game is pretty low stress anyway. I'm fine with him participating in All-Star Weekend because he's not in the dunk contest. So we'll watch for updates on that. The All-Star Game is coming up, I think, next weekend, weekend after. Later this month, I know that, in Cleveland. And this is what we call a tease in the business. So last night was Neil Funk night at the United Center. And... What they did was, because Neil, Neil retired during the 2019-2020 season, well, in the middle of that year, in March, the world shut down, and he didn't get a proper send-off. So last night, they brought him back, and they let him call the second quarter, which was really, really cool, hearing him call it with Stacy. He 
He didn't know anyone on OKC anymore, but that was fine. It was still cool listening to them go back and forth, and John Paxson jumped on the broadcast, and it was cool. You know, I even said to my parents at the time when we were watching it, I'm like, oh my, my goodness, I feel like I'm back watching the Derrick Rose years with a good team on the court, Neil Funk talking to Stacey King. My freshman year at Loyola, this would have been the 2016-17 season, I had the chance to cover a Bulls game for a class. And we went, and the assignment was you have to do a story. It doesn't matter what. You can pick the topic. You can pick the angle. All you've got to do is do a radio story on something at the Bulls game. So I did. What I did was my original plan was to talk to Neil and Stacy. But Stacy didn't get there till later, and by that point, we were already going up to our seats. So I changed it. I talked to the announcers. I talked to both Neil Funk and Chuck Swirsky about working with former Bulls. And they were awesome. You know, they were really gracious with their time. That's how I met Chuck, and I had Chuck on my, I had Chuck on the show, what was that, about a year ago now? A year and a half ago. And we've kept in touch. And Neil was, he was so great. We talked, it was only a three-minute conversation. But it was really, really cool to talk to him. And I was thinking about it last night, and I'm like, I still have that somewhere. I do have it. I have the interview. Wednesday, I put out my podcast, Believe in Bulls. Do it every Wednesday. I will have the interview on the podcast. So be sure to check that out on Wednesday. I'm really excited for you to hear it. I've never played it for anybody. Even last night, I played the first 15 seconds for my parents so they heard that I had it. I've never played this for anybody except my professor who graded the assignment. And even then, he only heard a couple quotes. You will hear it on Wednesday. Tune in. I'm really excited for people to hear it. That is what we call a tease. That's to try and get you to listen to my podcast. All right, we're changing, changing subjects, shifting gears. Baseball. Or no baseball. Who knows? I don't know what's going on with this whole thing. You know, they've been in a lockout since, what, December 1, I think, was when the CBA expired. Neither side wants to talk to the other. It has been an ugly negotiation for a new CBA. Rob Manfred talked this week, and his quotes were cringy. And then yesterday, scrolling through my Twitter feed as I do, I see this headline from The Athletic, tweeted by Ken Rosenthal. Quote, No reason to believe Major League Baseball season will start on time. Yeah, I about chucked my phone across the room. Look, we knew this was potentially happening. We knew that things weren't going well. I was pretty much resolved to the fact that spring training wouldn't start on time, but maybe you could make up some stuff and get the season to start on time. Nope. This is from Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal. 
Quote, the players and owners do still have time, technically, perhaps almost three weeks. Opening day is scheduled for March 31st, and Commissioner Rob Manfred has said spring training should last approximately a month. That means a deal right around the start of March would preserve the full schedule, or probably would preserve the full schedule. Major League Baseball actually told the players Saturday what day it thinks should be considered the last possible date to come to an agreement for the season to begin on time. And that date, by the way, as I go through here, did he did he list the date? Okay, it doesn't look like they actually listed the date on here. I know mid-February was my worry, my danger zone. But anyway, uh, back to the article quote, it's unknown which day MLB circled or whether the players agree it's a reasonable choice for a cutoff. But the exchange demonstrates that the pressure of the calendar is even more explicit now, directly at the bargaining table. And we'll go a little farther down here. Super Bowl Sunday in the NFL marks day 74 of the owner's lockout in baseball, and the current juxtaposition of the two sports in the American consciousness is jarring. Yet with the magnitude of what is at stake in baseball, would the threat of missing some games in April really be enough to sway one or both parties? At present, there is no reason to believe the answer is yes. This is not fun. I do not like this. I am ready to watch baseball. I am happy it is college softball season because I don't really get into college baseball as much as I'd like. This feels like, and I've made this comparison on the show before, I make it on Twitter all the time, and I'm, I'm not going to stop with it. My favorite show is The West Wing, and there is an episode where there is a government shutdown because the president walks out of the negotiations with the Speaker of the House after two minutes, three minutes, something like that. And this is exactly how I envision these negotiations going. Rob Manfred, is, this is not going well. People are not happy with Rob Manfred. They're not happy with the owners. The players are not happy. I'm on the player's side. This is not fun. I do not like this. Manfred talked this week. Apparently, they agreed on the universal DH. Don't know if that's legitimate or not, but the commissioner said it is. So they agreed on the universal DH, and there was one other thing they agreed on. I think it was elimination of the draft pick compensation, which is, that's also a big deal. I don't want to minimize that. Like, getting rid of the draft pick compensation, that's big for free agency. That probably means you're not going to see a stalemate as much. He also made the comment that a phone works two ways, which that got quite a reaction from the players on Twitter. I don't know when this is going to end. I just want to watch some baseball. I mean, right now we are at February 13th, one day before the most overrated holiday on the calendar. So that shows you where we're at with all of this. I don't know if there's an end in sight. Yesterday's negotiation, based on the tweets from the national writers, it sounds like it didn't go very well. Who knows? I keep telling... People, I, I've got a couple friends who are Braves fans. I keep saying the longer this goes on, the longer the Braves are still the last ones to win a game. Baseball is my favorite sport. has been since I was a little kid. There was a while there where I only watched baseball. I did not watch basketball, football. I'm not watching much hockey anymore, but I didn't watch any at the time. 
This sucks. And I hope they figure this out soon. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour here, so I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WOUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, Chicago. I'm coming to you from beautiful, snowy, apparently. I didn't know it was supposed to snow overnight, but it snowed here in Dwight, Illinois. If you want to chime in on the conversation, if you have thoughts on moving on to college hoops, I got some thoughts on UIC and the Horizon League. That's a fun situation. And there's a big game in the Valley today. If you want to chime in, Slide into my DMs at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I know Jonah Blatt has already chimed in saying, yet Rob Manfred wonders why MLB is losing fans. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that out there because he's right. Let's move on to college, college hoops, college sports to kind of bring my mood back a little bit. So Loyola has a big game in the Valley today. I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. But speaking of the Valley, I'm going to kind of tie it in here. So we've talked extensively on the show about UIC's addition to the Valley and what it means. I mean, I feel like I've talked about it enough. I don't have to repeat why I think it's a great move, right? Well, this week, the Horizon League made a decision. And I'm going to kind of take you inside a little bit. This was just the other day. The Horizon League announced that UIC is ineligible to play in conference championships. And the reason for this is because UIC did not provide the proper notice or the agreed upon notice to leave the league. And what this is what it means is there's a bylaw that UIC agreed to. That's context here. I'm gonna, I want to take you... Look, I know where I stand on this. I'm going to tell you where I stand on this. I'm a reporter. I study journalism. I do this. I'm going to tell you the whole story here. It's my job. I'm not going to tell you one side of it just to make my point. No, we're going to look at both sides of this. Loyola left the league in 2013. Because remember, Loyola was in the Horizon League. And I wasn't sure if this was the case. But I got this from the Indy Star. Greg Doyle did an interesting column, an interesting look at this situation. Loyola was out of the league. In 2013, and I'm, I'm guessing this is after Loyola left. It doesn't say when exactly in 2013, but sometime that calendar year, the Horizon League changed its bylaws. And this is from Greg Doyle at the Indy Star. Quote, it used to be league rules called for schools leaving for another conference to give two years notice to be subject to an exit fee. In 2013, conference presidents and chancellors on the Horizon League board made it easier for schools to get out. The notice requirement was shortened to one year or the school would be subject to an exit fee of $500,000. Oh, and there was one more component to the 2013 tweet. This is still from Greg Doyle. A school that didn't give at least one year's notice would be ineligible for conference tournaments that season. The updated bylaw passed unanimously 
meaning every president and chancellor agreed to it, including, yes, the chancellor at UIC. But there's something else to know. Before a bylaw can be voted upon, conference rules require it to be officially proposed to the board in a motion. Guess which school made the motion? So UIC made that motion. And at the time, let me check my timelines here. This is before, this is before Michael Amaritis took over as Chancellor of UIC. As he took over in March 2015. This happened in 2013. Are you following me here? That's back now, wow, that's almost nine years ago. This week, Horizon League comes out. UIC is leaving the league. They can't compete in conference championships per our bylaws. UIC released a statement, and there have been plenty more from individuals at the school, but this is from the university, or from the athletic department, I should say. UIC Athletics is outraged by the decision of the 11 Horizon League presidents to expel its student-athletes from winter and spring sport conference championships. UIC managed its membership deliberations with the Horizon League in a professional and transparent manner. Upon making its decision to change leagues following the current academic year, UIC reiterated its commitment to a collegial transition and our sole request was that the Horizon League not punish its student-athletes. As a result... UIC now intends to aggressively pursue all avenues to enable its student-athletes to fully participate in their 2022 winter and spring seasons. Here's the thing. Conference basketball tournaments next month. I think conference swimming tournament is coming up sooner than that. I think I heard that this week, too. So I gave you the context of the rule that UIC agreed to and actually made the motion. Now, I've had this question come up a couple times on Twitter, and I love listening to the Chicago radio guys every day. Don't get me wrong. I listen to them day in, day out. I heard this point come up on one of the stations, too, and I want to bring it up here because this is important. People have asked me, why didn't Valparaiso get this treatment? Valparaiso left the league in 2017. Why did they get to compete in the Horizon League tournament? because Valparaiso announced it was leaving in June. And I remember that because that was my sophomore year, at or that was after my freshman year at Loyola. I was getting ready for my sophomore year, and I was reporting on this from home, right where I'm at right now. That was when I moved up to assistant sports editor at the Loyola Phoenix. I remember it vividly. I was at home reporting on it. That happened over the summer. That's why Valparaiso was able to play through the conference championships. They had to pay the exit fee, and I'm not sure what else went into it afterward, but Valpo left after the school year. So this is the first time, at least by my count, this is the first time this bylaw has been invoked. Because Butler left in 2012, the bylaw was not there, Loyola left in 2013. This wasn't there at that time. And Valpo left in 2017, but it was after the school year. So that's where this comes from. That's the situation. 
And the Horizon League commissioner went on ESPN 1000 with Captain Jay Hood this week. And she came on and said, we told UIC, if you do this, there's going to be some harsh punishments. And both sides claim they were transparent. I don't know. There's, there's three sides to every story. Yours, mine, and the truth. In this case, both sides say they were transparent. There was communication about this move, and I still think it's a good move for UIC. But that said, I don't, I don't agree with the bylaw. Why would you punish the student-athletes? The student-athletes had nothing to do with this decision. They are the ones that are competing on the court, competing on the field, in, in the pool, on the pitch, whatever, wherever they play their sport. That's where they are competing. They are not involved in the negotiations to move conferences. So I don't agree with the bylaw. I don't, I don't like that. I, I get having punishments for leaving the league, especially at the mid-major level. Turnover is inevitable. That's just the reality of the college sports landscape, especially with conference realignment. It started with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, and from there the dominoes are falling. Loyola announced it was leaving. That was the day, and UIC's chancellor said this, UIC got a hold of the Valley that day and said, hey, we're still in Chicago, we're still interested. That's where all of this is coming. And this is the point we're at, where now UIC, as we sit here right now, February 13, 2022, UIC cannot compete in the conference championships going forward. And the irony of this whole thing is UIC made the motion for the bylaw. My point here, yes, UIC went against the bylaws of the Horizon League. I get that argument. That's the rule. They broke the rule. That's exactly the point Greg Doyle made, and I want to say that was even his headline in the Indy Star, was Illinois-Chicago breaks rules, but it's the Horizon League taking the heat. But that said, I don't like the bylaw, punishing the student-athletes for this decision. I'm not sure if there's a way to resolve it. And this is not the first time this has happened in college sports this year. The Colonial Athletic Association barred James Madison from this, and America East did the same thing with Stony Brook because they're moving leagues. James Madison is going to, I believe, the Sun Belt. And Stony Brook is going to the Colonial. This is the third time now we've seen this in this college sports landscape, and each time the conference has taken the heat for it. And I'm not saying that you can blame, uh, not blame. I don't want to use blame. I take that back. You can call out the conference for the rule, for the bylaw, like I'm doing right now. But I, I'm on the student-athlete side on this. I want them to be able to compete in their conference championships. I'm just not sure it's possible given the way this rule is. Now, I've not read the rule word for word. I don't know if that's even public. But it is a, it is a tough situation in the West Loop right now. And the commissioner of the Horizon League said on Captain Jay Hood this week, if the, Hori or if the Horizon, if UIC wants to announce it's going to the Valley a year later, 
they can compete in the conference championships. That's exactly what she said. She said if they give the year's notice, they can compete. Now that's going to be a decision for the Valley and UIC. And I'm not sure, I don't have any insight on that. I'm not going to act like I have any insight on that. The only reason I know she said that is because I listen to Captain J. Hood every Tuesday and Friday while I'm working. And I happened to hear when she came on the show. I don't know how this is all going to get resolved. I don't know if it is going to get resolved. But I felt my job sitting in this spot, talking into this microphone, was to present both sides, give you all the facts, and then tell you where I stand on it. And that's where I stand. Do not punish the student-athletes, and this is something for all these going forward. When you write your bylaws, when you think about conference realignment, because this happens, this is a thing, conference realignment happens now and again. When you write your bylaws, you need to think about the student-athletes. And that goes for the NCAA as a whole. But that needs to be the takeaway from these situations with James Madison, Stony Brook, and UIC. We will keep you updated on this as it goes forward through basketball season, through the spring and winter sports season. But it's a mess. Now, let's look at the Valley in the present here. Loyola Northern Iowa coming up today, 3 p.m. tip-off on ESPN2, so you can watch Loyola play Northern Iowa before you watch the Super Bowl. Interesting timing to have a game, I'd say. But remember last week, think back, last week's show, I was talking Valley basketball, as I do this time of year. And I told you that I was worried about the Wednesday game against Bradley. I told you going to Carver Arena is going to be tough. And I saw people on Loyola Twitter, I saw the way they were acting like, this is not going to be an easy win. Guess what happened? Loyola went into Carver Arena at Bradley, which is one of the tougher places to play in the Missouri Valley Conference. Loyola lost 68-61. That was their second loss in four games. In fact, it was their second road loss in four games because it was a tough stretch. I told you that was going to happen. They got a big win at Missouri State last week. That was good. Getting that win on the road was huge. But then you go into Bradley midweek. This happened the year of the Final Four. And remember this. The year Loyola made the Final Four, 2018. It was a midweek game against Bradley. Late in the year, Loyola was rolling. They lost. It was their, Ironically, it was their third conference loss. Right now, Loyola is 9-3. We all know what happened in 2018. Now the stretch starting today, it's better than it was last week because remember you had to go through Missouri State on the road, Bradley on the road, Northern Iowa at home. Now, Northern Iowa at home today, 3 o'clock ESPN 2. Valpo, Wednesday in Valparaiso. You cannot take Valpo lightly, especially a midweek road game. 
Saturday, Drake at home, 5 o'clock Central. It'll be on either ESPN2 or ESPNU. That has not been decided yet. That's three games in a week. Luckily, you're not going from Chicago to Springfield or Chicago to Evansville back to Chicago. You're going Chicago, Valparaiso, back to Chicago. That's not bad from a road tripping standpoint. They close out the year at Illinois State versus Evansville at home, and then the finale, which this is big, at Northern Iowa, February 26th. That is the regular season finale. After that comes where it all matters at Arch Madness, which, breaking news, this is breaking news. I have not put this out anywhere. I have not, I've told people privately. I've not said this publicly. I will see you at Arch Madness. My plan for Arch Madness. This is a tentative plan. It's subject to change. I will drive down probably Friday afternoon in time for the night games. It depends on how the bracket shakes out and everything like that. But either way, I will be there for all of Saturday and Sunday championship. And I hope to be there for the Friday night games if they keep the same setup. I will see you in St. Louis. And I'm very excited. Now, why do I point to this Northern Iowa game, February 26th, as a huge game? As we sit here right now, and I have the MVC standings in front of me, Heading into today's game. Now, this is the only game on the schedule. This is the last game for this week's, well, quote-unquote, week, this couple days, slate of games, is today. Northern Iowa is one game up on Loyola for first place in the league at 10-3. Loyola is 9-3. Missouri State is 10-4. The danger here, if Loyola loses... They fall a half game behind Missouri State for third place in the league. And they would then be, I believe, a half game up on Bradley. And that shows you how packed the standings are. If Loyola wins, they are going to leapfrog Northern Iowa for first place. So I was wrong. Northern Iowa is a half game up. So this game is huge because it puts Loyola either in first place or in third place. They will not stay put in second place. Every game in the Valley is a must-win game at this time of year, especially if you're Northern Iowa, Loyola, Missouri State, Bradley, and Drake. Every game is a must-win. This game, especially for Loyola, is a must-win. You do not want to be in third place with five games to go. Get yourself in first place at Valpo on Wednesday. And let's see what Ken Palm says. Because Ken Palm does... They do game predictions. 
And what I mean by that is it tells you the chance of victory. So according to Ken Palm, here's what it says for Loyola's chance of victory going forward. It predicts winning out. Six straight wins. 77% chance of victory today. 79% chance of victory on Wednesday. 78% chance of victory on Saturday. 76% chance of victory on Monday the 21st. And then 97% chance of winning at Evansville Wednesday, February 23rd. I just read you five games because the sixth game and the reason that last game is such a big deal, Ken Palm gives Loyola a 56% chance of winning that game and the final score prediction is 68-66. to Loyola needs to go into that game with a head of steam, with some momentum. They have a good chance to do it. They just need to capitalize. Now, they're going through today without Marquise Kennedy. John Rothstein broke that just before we came on the air. No Marquise Kennedy. He's out with that. I think it's a hamstring. It's a big one today. And the next five, including today, or the next four after this, are huge. Because on Northern Iowa's schedule coming up, they have Missouri State at home. And they've got Indiana State on the road after going to Illinois State on Tuesday. Now, there are chances of a slip-up. That Missouri State game, if Isaiah Mosley catches heat, that could be big. But the good thing for Loyola is they've already played Missouri State twice. The only team they haven't played twice is Northern Iowa, and it happens to be the team just in front of them in the standings. So I agree, Jonah. Loyola absolutely has to have this one. You are absolutely right. Big, big couple weeks coming up. Matt Hackman does a really good job with these projections. He does seeding probabilities. This was February 10th. So this would have been just after the Bradley game. So current projections, and we'll see how they update tomorrow or tonight. Loyola has a 67% chance of being the number one seed at Arch Madness. You're the heavy favorite to be the number one seed right now. Today's game is going to have a lot of implications on that. It looks like, let's just knock on wood here. It looks like, let's hope, the Valley is going to get all 18 games in, which is huge. It's a condensed schedule, but credit to Jeff Jackson, the coaches, and the league for having this conference schedule go forward like it did. Loyola Northern Iowa coming up today, 3 p.m. on ESPN2. Massive, massive game. It's a must-win for Loyola. Clay Malvick and Kevin Lehman on the call. I, know I will be watching that before I go to work because it is a Sunday. And it is Super Bowl Sunday, which means your boy is going to be tending bar tonight. It's going to be a crazy night. 
If it's anything like last year, I'm going to sleep in way late tomorrow and my feet are going to hurt all day. We're going to have fun though. It's going to be a good night. Bengals and Rams. More on that in a second. I did, I teased this in my tweet, so I want to talk about this. Well, I covered for on three the craziest 10 days I've ever covered. I talked about it a little bit last week because I didn't know what exactly was going to happen. Brian Harson is the coach at Auburn. Notice, is. Think back, Groundhog Day, February 2nd. Justin Hokinson, Hoke, over at Auburn Live at On3, does an awesome job covering Auburn. He reported that Brian Harson's immediate future was, quote-unquote, in question. There was an investigation into the program. Players were on social media with different thoughts on Brian Harson as a coach. Some liked him. Some didn't like him. And they were very vocal on both sides. This whole time, Brian Harson was in Mexico on vacation. He came back Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Tuesday, Auburn passed a policy. They approved a policy called the Employee Duty to Cooperate Policy. And what it says is university employees must cooperate with investigations to keep their jobs, essentially. That passed the night before he came back from vacation. He comes back Wednesday. Questions are swirling. When's he going to meet with administration? What's going to happen? The SEC coaches' meetings were this week, too. They were on Thursday. He went to the coaches' meetings, didn't take a question. Friday, it comes out that they're keeping him as coach. The kicker to this whole thing is if Auburn wanted to get rid of him, they wanted to, if they couldn't fire him for cause, it would be an $18.5 million buyout. Well, he's staying as coach after an investigation into the program. That was one of the craziest 10 days in, that I can remember. I've covered college sports now for five years been crazy. I didn't know where this was going to go. I mean, I wrote about this a lot for On3. Between Jim Harbaugh and Brian Harson. it was a weird 10 days. And I just wanted to share that because in the middle of this whole thing, and I was going to play this, but I don't have time for it, I had it queued up too. That was the sound you heard at the beginning of the show when I hit the wrong button and you heard like a, a referee's whistle. Brian Harson's dad, and this is not confirmed, but it's, people are talking about it, even Paul Feinbaum thinks it. We're pretty sure Brian Harson's dad called into the Paul Feinbaum show this week to defend him. That was the craziest part of this whole thing. Brian Harson's dad called into the Paul Feinbaum show. Absolute insanity. So I wanted to get that off my chest because the kicker to the whole thing was the dad calling into the show. That cracked me up. All right, I have three minutes left. Super Bowl tonight. 
Shout out to my sister who is there right now. She's at SoFi as we speak. I want to say I just got a text from her that she's at the stadium. And she's working. I'm very jealous. I hope she can... I hope she brings me home something. <laughs> I think she is. I'm pretty sure she is. I have Venmo her, so she'd better. But she's there right now. I'm insanely jealous. The halftime show, I think, is going to be electric tonight. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. I know there are differing opinions on it. People don't like the music. But I don't, the music is not necessarily my cup of tea, cup of chowder. But the show is going to be phenomenal. At least it should be. But let's look at the game. you got Matthew Stafford and the Rams. you got Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow, and the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it's going to be a fun game. The Rams are favored by four. I'm predicting because the Bengals' pass defense is not very good. Rams, 30 Bengals, 21. That's my final football prediction of the year. Probably going to be wrong. If it's anything like last year, I'm going to be very wrong. I hope it's a fun game. And this is the end of football season. So, a little programming note. I'm going to be on the air next week. That's not, a, that's not in question here. Next Monday, a week from tomorrow, a week from the most overrated holiday on the calendar of Valentine's Day. I hate Valentine's Day. A week from tomorrow, Loyola takes on Illinois State. Your boy is going to be there. Cannot wait for that. I haven't been to Redbird Arena in a while. I went there. Redbird Arena was the only arena I went to last year because it's literally 45 minutes from my house. So I will be at Loyola, Illinois State on Monday. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. We'll be on the air next Sunday. Talking Valley Hoops, talking whatever else I feel like talking about. But no more football after today. Man. Well, now we're on to college basketball. March Madness is around the corner. Conference tournaments are around the corner. Again, see you at Arch Madness. I can't wait. I'm so excited. After last year covering Arch Madness from home, I'm so excited to get back there. Gonna be a blast. In the meantime, enjoy the Super Bowl tonight. Enjoy Loyola Northern Iowa before that. That'll be a good pregame treat for you. Hopefully, next week we're talking about some good Valley Hoops news, and I'm probably not gonna talk baseball unless something else makes me angry. So until next Sunday, stay safe, stay healthy, wear your mask, get the vaccine when you can. Talk to you back here next week after football season here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. Have an awesome week, everybody. See you back here next Sunday.